friends from Faraway Podcasting presents Ill Will. Ill Will is a horror anthology podcast written and directed by Keegan Vanderwicken. Ill Will may contain themes and topics not suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. now 1.44. Let's go ahead and let's me see. Where was I? Um, right. Can I please hear from someone that has had a problem with something in the mirror? One person, one person who's had a problem with something in the mirror. (sighs) At first, it was fine. I thought it was a trick of my mind. I kept catching glimpses of movement in the corner of the mirrors as I turned away. Then, I began seeing two of myself in the reflections. I thought it was a trick of the light or my glasses, but everywhere I went, there it was. There they were. Two of me in my reflection. Now, I'm sure two reflections is not an unheard of thing, but what I did find strange was the second reflection would seem to move when I did not. Always seemed to sway from side to side, or mine or its hair would be tussled by a non-existent breeze. As time went on, it changed again, and I would see the second reflection come closer and closer to the first. Eventually, the swank passed onto my original reflection, and they would sway back and forth together. I remember the day that this changed for the worse, though. The two reflections were coexisting, and My original reflection followed my movement as I bumped into someone on the subway. The original reflection was jostled just like I was, and as I steadied myself looking at my mirror on the chrome tube, I saw the second grabbing the first and killing it. From then on, over and over and over again, it happened. The second would interact with the surrounding area and hurt the original. The first would silently scream and plead for help. Three murders stick out to my mind as common occurrences. The first would be if I was in the bathroom. The reflection would slam the original's face into the toilet and hold it there until it stopped struggling, all the while smiling at me. The second instance that was common was during my meals. Dinner time in particular, my reflection would appear in my cutlery and the second would strangle the first from behind. The third was while I was at work. 
and this would be the most common. As I sat staring at the reflective glass on the exterior of my building as I was enjoying my lunch, I would see my original reflection be dragged towards the construction site and thrown into the wet cement being poured. And as I stared, the reflections of the workers would smooth out the cement and my original stopped moving, and my new reflection would come and sit down in front of me enjoying his version of the mirrored sandwich. My original reflection would always reappear a few days later though, slightly disheveled, but always a perfect reflection of me. One evening, I couldn't sleep and found myself staring at the mirror above the bathroom sink. I watched in horror as the original had his throat slit by the second, as the original bled out and the second stood smiling at him, then at me. Finally, without remorse, he began stabbing again and again and again. He did not stop until the original reflection remained unmoving, and the second tossed the shaving razor to the side and pulled it into the reflection of the bathtub. I had to pivot myself in my washroom to watch as the second systematically began pulling apart the original. It was horrible, but I couldn't turn away. After putting the original into small, grisly pieces, the second pulled cleaning chemicals out from under the sink, spilled them out onto the floor, then drenched the original in the bathtub. I did not shower at home that morning. From that moment on, when I saw my reflection, I only had one, and I knew it was the second, as it didn't clean itself up and still had blood dripping off of his clothes. I grew uncomfortable at the constant visage of carnage. I seeked professional assistance. No one could help me. No one seemed to believe me. And when I looked into mirrors with others nearby, my blood-soaked reflection would grin back at me, and then it would murder those next to me in the mirror. Or murder their reflections, and after doing so, it would look at me and point. Not as a threat, but instead it felt like an invitation. More of a, now it is your turn, sort of gesture. I don't know why I did, but I was in therapy and I decided to listen to the reflection. I killed three therapists before I was caught. The court system was swift in its decision to sentence me to death on account of seven confirmed murders. And I didn't mind my time in prison, though the pecking order became a problem that had to be rectified. When I arrived, there was a power vacuum in the yard and as fresh meat, I was an easy target. I was beat badly and forced onto the ground. The facility officers just looked the other way as I was introduced to prison life. I would not be taking that, though, and my reflection in the light above showed me exactly where to hit my assailant to end the fight. Long story short, I was placed in solitary confinement. I had to be kept away from the other prisoners, for my own safety and for theirs as well. The repetition and daily regime was nice. Food could have been better, but I was able to get in shape and read as many books as my heart desired, and most importantly, I had no reflective surfaces and found some peace. The day I was let out of my cell, I knew would be my last. As I was strapped down for lethal injection on the shiny chrome tabletop, I saw my bloody reflection waving to get my attention. As I stared, my reflection, the needle met my flesh, 
My new reflection breathed on the chrome, creating a fog, and wrote a simple message backwards in the glass. Goodbye. Then I passed away. <laughs> right, um, time is now 153. <sighs> <clears throat> hang on, hang on. No. All of you wait your turn. Hang on. I need a moment to catch my breath. Okay. I am ready for the next person. There are two wolves inside of me. No, no, not again. We've heard your story already, and it wasn't helpful the first time. Why are you still here? Get lost. I don't... you. I can see you all, and I know how each of you feel. I can't control which of you go inside me. I have to invite you. These are the rules. So I have mine, and you're going to listen. And when you've already had your turn and have said your piece, you should move on and stop lurking. Try this. The time is now 1.55. I need to speak to someone who has had an issue with a not themselves. My name is Zach Duncan, and I'm a college student. I work at a cafe in the mornings, and on the weekend, I'm a furry. I know it sounds cringe, and maybe it is. It's hard to explain, but I'll try my best. It started my freshman year. I think it started as a joke. My friends had told me about a place called Gabby Games Entertainment, and when they told me about it, I wanted to fit in so bad, I'd gone out to the store, purchased some dumb wolf ear clips, and put in my hair and one of those chain tail things attached to a key ring. It didn't look good, but it was the best I could do. When I showed up, my friends all appreciated the effort, but kindly explained that fursuits were expensive and they didn't want to bring it here where food, grease, and beer could be spilled onto something so valuable. We continued the night with drinks and arcade games, and as the semester continued, we all became close friends. Soon, I did not have to stress about fitting in. They loved me for myself, and I found myself more seriously looking into the furry community. 
A convention was coming up soon, and all my friends were excited to go. I wanted to surprise them with my own costume that I had been saving up for. The artist I was working with had already taken my measurements and added my customizations. In total, I was looking at a pretty sum of about $4,000. I remember I had a lot of anxiety leading up to the convention. But eventually, the day came and my suit had been delivered. All of us carpooled out to the hotel that night, and as they got dressed up wanting to impress them, I got a hold of my nerves and met them in the lobby. My suit fit me perfectly. I had chosen the fursona of a sled dog. The fur was a mixture of grayish silver with a streak of cobalt blue on the head and tail. When the torso, arms, and legs were all black with stripes of gray wrapping around them in a sort of swirling pattern. And the eyes were mismatched with amber and silver irises. And I felt like I could be myself with it on. It's funny how freeing a mask can be like that. My friends loved it, and I felt good to be loved. I finally felt like myself. Finally felt like I belonged. Felt like I was part of the pack. The convention itself was a blast. It was a mixture of concert and a fair. Plenty of rides and games and tons of booths selling awesome food and tasty treats. That was my freshman year. And since then, many of my friends have graduated. I found myself working more at the coffee shop and... One day, a parade would be going down Main Street, and a few of my friends messaged me to go. Go and join them. Have fun. And some them and a couple of the other furries were going to be in the parade and had put together a float. As fun as I thought that would be, I was nervous. And I didn't want to go by myself. So I opted to see myself out and went to work instead. That morning, we had many furries come in. My co-workers and I had a blast taking photos with all of them, and by 10 a.m., our rush was over, and the parade was going to begin. My co-workers and I cleaned up everything, and as I was ready to clock out, there was a tapping on the glass door. I turned to see my co-worker laughing and pointing out at the massive furries outside. I waved at the group, but was caught off guard as a suit came closer to the window. They pressed the mask against the glass right in front of where I was standing. My co-worker took a photo and asked if I knew who that was. I didn't know how to respond had to explain that the suit outside was mine. Some way, somehow, someone had stolen my first suit and won it to the parade. Not only had they stolen my suit, but they had gone out of their way to make me know that they know that I was a furry, and they knew where I kept my suit, and that they had taken it. I left work, and my suit followed my car out of the parking lot, and the mismatched eyes pierced into me from my rearview mirror. I sped home. I didn't know what it meant, but I did know I was being followed. I got home safe, and I locked my apartment door. I took off my work uniform and grabbed my step stool from the kitchen and grabbed a lockbox from the top of my closet. As I reached up to grab it, I heard the front door open and then close. Impossible. I lived alone, and I knew I had locked the door as soon as I got inside. I shakily opened the lockbox and knew what I would see before I even lifted the lid. The box was empty. My breath felt heavy as time seemed to slow down. I heard my bedroom door swing open and I could not turn around. I could not face whatever was behind me. I felt the ground shift as it got closer. I closed my eyes and felt its breath on my neck. And I knew those eyes were staring at me. I held my breath and stood frozen. Waiting. Waiting until I felt it back away. I opened my eyes and found my suit had been returned to its box. After a moment, my body relaxed, I put the box away, and life continued like normal. I never got an answer, and I passed away a few years later when a semi-truck t-boned me on the way to work. As I died, 
It was quick and painless, but I always did want to know what had happened. Who had found my first suit and worn it that day? <clears throat> right. Time is... Two oh three. Okay. I do see many of you are still eager to help. However, I need a quick rest. Um I'm gonna go over my notes uh, uh, and end recording.